guys, what's up and welcome back to another Coffee Talk podcast episode. This is a new setup for the new year. I'm not sure how I feel about it yet. So if you're listening, then just know that a couple things have changed. I have repositioned, actually I've redone my entire office. I'm in the middle of the process. So off to the side where you guys can't see are the things that I still have to organize and go through. I'm planning on getting some shelves, putting up some of my old antique cameras and just really having fun with it. I feel like new year, fresh start, right? And I have so much focus in this area of my life that it felt like it was time to give it a little bit of a refresher. And with that came a new setup for recording as well. Long story short, I'm using a new microphone. I'm sitting in a new spot, but still in my comfy chair, still like we're hanging in a cafe. And today there are two different topics of conversation that I want to talk about. And I'm a little stumped as to whether or not I should combine them into one big long talk or separate them into two separate episodes because they are two separate topics. Let me tell you what they are, but first let me tell you what I'm drinking. So I am drinking a lavender chamomile tea today and I put some lemon in it and there's a quote on it that says earth laughs in flowers and that's by Ralph Waldo Emerson that's who said the quote let me know what you're drinking down below and I have two topics of conversation today the first being I want to talk about a couple of the things that I'm struggling with going into the new year just more psychologically and also with like the pressure of a new year and feeling this toe between the two polarities of a fresh start, a fresh slate, like wanting to almost perfect everything in a way and having the knowledge, the wherewithal, the wisdom of past years and also just books and, you know, mentors and people that have really inspired me over the years that I, I understand now that I can pick that perfectionism apart a little bit with the new year. I know it's very common to experience that feeling and that pressure as a new year is about us. The other thing I want to share today is my reading list for 2024 so far, my TBR for the new year. There's a couple fictions, there's a couple non-fictions, there's some mom books, there's some not related to mom motherhood at all. And so I don't know if those pair together well with the conversation, but I'm going to talk about both of those things today. So buckle up and let me know what you are going to be reading in 2024 down below. I'm going to pause, take a quick sip and let you guys know we do have a sponsor for today's coffee talk as well. Big shout out to Shopify for sponsoring today's podcast. Let me just dip into that message real quick. And welcome back. My tea actually isn't too hot. And with the theme that I've really been leaning into with the podcasts as of December and just really letting myself speak and not censor myself so much, not edit myself down so much. Again, always open to hearing your feedback. If you've been enjoying the last few episodes where I might take up a bit more of your time and talk a bit more, but I don't cut myself up as much, let me know. But I, I don't know why I feel the urge to talk about this, but I'm curious to know what kind of energies you guys have been leaning into with the new year. I always find it so interesting with a new season and a new year, I feel drawn to certain things. One thing in particular that I'm feeling really drawn to this year are like navy blues and this purple, this like bright, pur I'm wearing it right now. It's, it's, this one's a bit more lavender. The purple I'm being pulled to is like the color of my sweater if you're watching today with a bit a little tinge of pink if you could just sprinkle a little bit more pink into this purple um i have my amethysts out beside me today i feel like i'm being such a woo-woo girl but i have my amethysts out i feel like purple and dark navy like anything in that little color palette has really been calling to me this winter this year and i'm so curious because years when i look back now and see what i was being drawn to and then look at what the outcome of that year was. I feel like if anybody's ever worked with like aura colors or gone into the spirituality or even just the symbolism behind colors, the colors I feel drawn to always end up relating a lot to the historical meanings of those colors. And purple is a big color of creativity. I've been drawn to purple in previous years. I'm realizing again, I'm having one of those moments where I'm like, nobody cares. So what colors have you guys been drawn to? Random tangent of the day. So a conversation I was having recently with a friend of mine that is turned into my inspiration for hosting this conversation with you guys today is just in general, we were, we were discussing coming over the new year, how 
our lists are so big. I feel like I'm doing 10% of 10 different things in 10 different areas of my life rather than really honing in my focus on one thing. And a big problem that I'm finding that stems from is not not resourcing my priority list. Now I set a priority list at the beginning of the year and it's something that I feel like I almost need to print and put on my wall. I likely will, I'm creating a vision board in one wall in my office, but it would make a lot of sense to actually print my priority list for the year as well because it gets so overwhelming. I find going into a new year, even with as much as I've set the intention to rest and set the intention to like allow myself to dream and to refill my cup and replenish myself in a lot of ways, there are these small energy draining things that are stressing me out and they don't need to be. And when I really sit with why these things are stressing me out, it comes down to this this feeling or this pressure of perfectionism going into a brand new year. Going into a brand new year almost feels like back in the day, if anybody else was like this, when you would go into a whole new school year and you would tell yourself, I would tell myself, I'm going to go into the school year and I'm going to get all my assignments done early and I'm going to do my homework every single night and I'm going to keep my desk clean. I'm going to keep my locker clean. I'm going to keep my agenda and my binders so organized and it would go well. Like I would really lean into that pressure. I would do well under that pressure for a small amount of time. And then when things would start to get busy or pick up or multiple projects were due at the same time or multiple things were due at the same time or there was problems happening at home or problems happening in my personal life, things would fall apart and then I would just get so down on myself. And so I'm feeling almost like the adult version of that today where I'm going into 2024 and I'm looking at every area of my life and everything. I, I get this urge, this perfectionistic urge to like cleanse, declutter, reorganize and perfect every area of my life. And this is so silly, but I I'm going to confess it. This comes all the way down to the other day. I was just, you know, hanging out on Pinterest, trying to find a meal that I wanted to put in my meal plan for the week. And I suddenly got the urge to reorganize every single one of my Pinterest boards to fit the version of myself that I'm being or want to emulate today. And this is what led to that conversation with a friend of mine, because something that I find has been a really nice meditation, something that I find has been helping a lot when it comes to dealing with myself and dealing with the parts of myself that can sometimes hold me back or the parts of myself that aren't always the nicest to myself or the parts of myself that I want to fix. And I'm putting air quotations around fix because that's something I want to pick apart too. And it's something that I think, again, is very common when the new year comes or when there's a fresh start at something. It's like, oh, I can put my best foot forward. I can put my best face forward and nobody has to see my flaws or I can erase those flaws or leave them in the year behind and fix these things that it's just a very interesting word to use, use fix. And this is why. I, the meditation that I find has been really helping me work through those things is this idea of if I had a daughter, what would I want to emulate to her? What would I want to teach her? I do get a little bit of that having a son. It really doesn't matter the gender of your child, but I, I just find it easier to do when I picture having a little me because I think no one was really there in that role for me when I was little me. So it's very cathartic. It's very healing. It's very like inner child work, if you will, to imagine a little version of me, imagine her as my own daughter, and then imagine what I would want to teach her. And another really interesting thing that parenting has taught me is that we learn so much more by what people do, not just what they say. I've learned that through parenting because I've watched my son who is just starting to talk and is understanding some words, but he learns a lot more by what we show him rather than what we tell him. And it's made me realize how many other areas of life, even when you look at your friendships, when you look at any relationship, when you look at even the difference of what we hear talked about in the world versus what we see happening in the world. You know, it's a very interesting dynamic and there usually are some, some interesting differences between those two things. Um, the way that people speak and the way that they actually act and seeing how aligned those things are. Now we're all human. So obviously it's a lot easier to talk the talk than walk the walk, but that's the point, right? Like I think of 
when I want to emulate certain things to my children, if I were to emulate something to a little version of me or, or a daughter, I need to walk the walk instead of just talk the talk. I need to not just sit here, host a podcast and be like, let go of perfectionism. Like I need to go off into my own life and also question the parts of myself that feel like they need to perfect everything going into a whole new year, perfecting it all the way down to something as silly as like my Pinterest boards. And so when I sat with that question and I asked myself why, like, why do I feel this pressure to have everything be almost like an extension of the version of myself, the highest version of myself, again, air quotations or bunny ears around that. Um, why do I need everything to be a perfect representation of that? And it really is perfectionism. Back in, I believe, September, I was able to have a conversation with an author, Thomas Curran, and he wrote a book called The Perfectionist Trap. And it was such a great read for that reason. Now, it's been a few months since I've read it, but there are certain things that I can pull on. And one of the biggest things that I remember from our conversation, and it is a podcast episode if you do want to go back and listen to it. It's very, very interesting. He goes into a lot of the studies that he has done on perfectionism, but a lot of perfectionism comes from this feeling of insecurity, this feeling of if I can just get it perfect, then I can feel safe, then I can feel worthy. But the problem is, is that perfect actually doesn't exist. And not only that, perfect tends to be the indicator of procrastinate. So interestingly enough, everything that I've wanted to perfect going into the new year, I have procrastinated because there is so much pressure on it that I can't, it's almost like I can't live up to it. I can't get myself to have the energy to do it because I already feel like I'm failing. I already feel like it won't be good enough. And it's just an interesting thing to pick apart. I don't necessarily have a full concluded thought or answer. I'm just kind of explaining my experience lately in case anybody relates because it is so common to feel that I think at this time of year, going into a new year, whether you've started a new habit or you're really trying to step into a, a version of yourself that you've never been before, it's going to be uncomfortable. And yeah, it does take some toughness. You have to be tough with the parts of yourself that seek out comfort and convenience over living by your values and long-term gratification. I mean, again, that's a lot easier to say than it actually is to do. When you're in the moment and you want something, it's a lot easier to, and a lot more stress-free and a lot more convenient. And the brain is wired. Our brains are wired to do this, to find the path of least resistance. It is a lot easier to open up Amazon while sitting on your couch and order the thing that you want than it is to wait a day or two, see if you actually really do need it, and then get your butt in the car and go drive somewhere and see if you can find it secondhand or see if you can find it from a local shop. It just all comes down to at least for me in this chapter of life, the simpler things are, the easier it's going to be, or the more in, in the words or in the teachings of someone like James Clear, the more attractive it's going to be for me and the more fulfilling, the more I'm gonna get that feel good energy from it right away and then wanna do it and stick to it. And, and by it, I mean like wanna stick to my values, wanna live by my values if I make them easy, if I make my life a bit more simple, if I don't feel like I have to perfect a bunch of Pinterest boards, like that is so stupid and complicated and unnecessary. And the whole reason why I would even feel that is because there is this little voice in the back of my head that says that, you know, who I was before isn't good enough, needs to be erased. I need to update everything to fit who I am today. And it's just, it's so unnecessary. It's also very interestingly, like when I sit and think about that, it seems very self-centered as well. It's like nobody cares. Literally no one cares about my Pinterest boards other than me. <laughs> like, no one cares. And that's a lot of work, effort and time put into something that could be done doing something much more fulfilling, much more in alignment with my life. So I don't know if anybody else is dealing with any kind of perfectionism going into this year. I don't know if anybody else is dealing with this urge to fix things. Like again, if I think of having a daughter, I wouldn't want her to fix herself. I would want her to be inspired to enhance what she already has. 
but there is no fixing. There is nothing to be fixed about yourself. You know, fixing something comes from a, a mindset of lack. Fixing something comes from the idea that there is something broken in you that needs to be fixed. There is something wrong with you that needs to be like right, you know, and that comes from, I, I, I just don't think it's a beneficial mindset to have. I don't think it's a beneficial take or tool mental tool to use to motivate ourselves to take action and this this is also coming from a very soft feminine approach because i know that there are actually i'm engaged to somebody who is very much the opposite when it comes to motivating himself he needs like this is the problem this is the fix that's not my approach. I'm very much the, let's find out why we're struggling with this problem. Let's get to the root of why. Let's get down to the very nitty gritty of what happened here that's manifesting itself on the surface as this problem. Let's learn how to soften into it. Let's learn how to heal that thing. And then we can enhance on ourselves and enhance on our lives. So both approaches are viable. I'm just, I'm just word vomiting. <laughs> if anybody is out there that's like me or works like me or their brain functions like me, then you might need to hear that message or you might need to hear those reflections or meditations, or you might just, it might just feel good to relate, to just be like, yeah, I've been feeling the same way too. I don't want to fix myself. I just want to enhance what I've already got and accept myself. Like instead of feeling like everything needs to be changed or everything needs to be looked at positively, I just want to go at life with such a neutral, like it's not that big of a deal. It's not that important. Fixing my Pinterest boards is seriously so, it, it's almost embarrassing to admit because there are so many bigger things going on in the world, you know? I digress. It's just that time of year where everything feels like if I, if I slip, if I have one day where I let things go too far, then I, I have to wait till next year to perfect everything again. And that type of perfectionism does not help. It does not get you anywhere. It definitely hasn't been getting me anywhere. And every single thing that's been on my list that feels so big, I've procrastinated. I haven't even started because it just feels so big that I, I can't get myself to begin. So I've really been leaning on a lot of the past wisdom and lessons I've learned about perfectionism going into a whole new year. I've really, really been trying to lean into that softness of winter and that retreat and replenish energy that winter really can and does offer us if we wish to take it. And it's not easy. I still find myself getting these urges to be perfect and look perfect and act perfect and scrub squeaky clean the parts of myself that... I wouldn't necessarily want on display or I don't love to claim, but in that experience and holding space for that experience, I'm learning a lot already in just the, the few, what are we in, like nine days into the new year. So that was a great chat. Let's move into some books, shall we? <laughs> Let me know your thoughts. Uh, I just threw a lot at you. So how have you guys been feeling so far going into this new year? And if you have any thoughts, any reflections you want to share, I would love to read them. So definitely leave them in the YouTube comments down below. And I'm going to move into sharing my reading list so far this year. I have collected some great books. I've already started a few that I can't wait to talk about. So get your refills, get comfortable because we still have some chatting to do. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. <laughs> I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. 
answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey guys, it's Cheyenne Davis. You may know me from MTV's Teen Mom OG or Think Loud Crew podcast. I'm here with my dad, Papa Floyd, to tell you about our new podcast, Unfiltered Kitchen. The kitchen is the hub of the household for many of us. The one-stop shop for conversations both big and small. Cheyenne and I have been having open conversations about all aspects of life in our kitchen since well before she was able to see over the counter. And now we're inviting you into our own kitchen as a part of the family. Unfiltered Kitchen is a two-way street. I share my advice on cocktails, cooking, parenting, and the lessons I've learned. And I inform my dad what it's like to raise kids today, how generational barriers affect us, and the joys of being a daughter. Well, your daughter. Get ready for a whole lot of unfiltered advice. You can take it or leave it, but you're never going to leave this table feeling hungry for more. Listen to Unfiltered Kitchen wherever you get your podcasts. I am so excited to talk books right now, guys. I was very particular about what I wanted to put on my TBR list. And I was also, I made sure to leave open spots. And I, I, I again have learned this from previous years where I set out to read certain amount of books or I like actually make my list for the full year. And then as I go about the year, I love finding books. I love sharing books with people, swapping books with people. And then I always end up, you know, deterring from my list. So I haven't set months maybe some seasons, but I have not set months to the books I want to read. This is definitely not a comprehensive list of everything I'm going to read in 2024, but this is on my for sure 2024 TBR list with some openings for other books I might find or, you know, get inspired by or might be picked for my book club over the year. Um, I'm going to start with the pile on the left. And yes, there are two piles. It doesn't sound, if you're listening, there's only three in pile two and there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven in pile one. So we're going to talk about 10 different books today. So I don't know if everybody knows this, but there have been some changes that I probably should outline. I have talked about it in previous episodes, but just in case, let me just do a quick little rebrief. I have updated all of my membership options on my Kalen's Coffee Talk YouTube channel, and I have opened a membership option on my vlog channel. If anybody likes to watch vlogs or wants to know for whatever reason about the back end of my life, that did not sound right, about the day-to-day of my life, then I do post public vlogs, but I am going to be doing weekly bonus vlogs for a membership on that channel. And then on my Kalen's Coffee Talk YouTube channel, if you head there, there are membership options, and I've officially opened an option that if you don't want any extra content, if you're not a big YouTube person, but you do want access to the book club, you can actually join just to be part of the book club and the discord that I run. The discord that I run is a, it's called like Kalen's coffee club now, but it's basically a bunch of people that like to talk about the same things we talk about here that like to read that share pictures of their pets. Uh, we have like some discussion topics of the day sometimes we do discord movie nights where we all watch the same movie in live time and just like text each other as we're watching the movie it's a really fun place to hang out digitally and my book club every single month we meet every single sunday on zoom and we read a chapter together and there is a book that is picked and if you join the vlog membership you still have access to the book club but the kaylin's coffee talk membership is what actually votes for the books that we read and so the january read and we alternate, we go nonfiction, fiction, nonfiction, fiction. So February will be a fiction. The nonfiction read for January ended up being Wintering by Catherine May. It's the power of rest and retreat in difficult times. I am so blown away by this book already. I am not even very far in. What page am I on? I'm on page, gosh, I haven't even passed page 60. I'm on page 56. I am maybe two and a half chapters into this book. And it has been such a breath of fresh air for the winter. I am urging anybody listening today, especially because we are in, well, if you're in the Southern hemisphere, you've got time. But if you're in the Northern hemisphere, we are in winter. And I don't know how your brain works, but the way my brain works is that I have organized the winter months to be December, January, February. So that means we're 
almost halfway, by the time you listen to this, into January, that gives you a month and a half left of winter to really relish in this book. And it has been, yeah, there's no better way to put it, but a breath of fresh air. It's more memoir style. So something we were actually talking about in the book club, which is a separate conversation on Discord as well, but is this idea that there's a lot of there's a lot of information. There's a lot to pull from the stories of Catherine May. It isn't a self-help book in the sense of it's going to give you a list of things that you can implement into your life. You almost have to read between the lines of what she's teaching through her stories. But her stories are all about wintering and how we resist winter so much. We, we almost want to live an eternal summer. The way that society works is an eternal summer. Like there is no rest. There is no time to retreat. There is no time to come back to the groundedness of yourself and really get back to the basics and fill your cup back up before you go back out into the world for the spring and summer months metaphorically right so that is what this book is about it's really the beauty of winter and especially during tough times and hard times whether you are grieving whether you are going through illness whether you are just having a really rough go or maybe you have previously had rough goes and you didn't give yourself the chance to winter so it's been this lingering heaviness it's like it's allowing yourself to find lightness in the heaviness of winter to find rest and retreat and replenish yourself during a season where nature does exactly that. Nature doesn't try and force itself to be summer all year round because it just wouldn't make sense. It wouldn't, it wouldn't do well. So it's a beautiful book. Definitely recommend picking it up. And the other book I'm actually reading for January, something I like to do is read a fiction and a nonfiction every month. So my goal for this year and usually most years is to read 24 books for that reason. Uh, last year I, I was short um, last year was a tough year though but I think I read 20 books last year but the fiction I'm reading for January I picked this up on the airport when I was traveling to Vancouver over the Christmas holidays and it is before the coffee gets cold this book I am nearly done it so I might even be able to squeeze an extra fiction in for January because I am tearing through this book so quickly it is so interesting the concept behind before the coffee gets cold and this is actually a fun question to pitch out to anyone listening today or something for you to think about and chew on in your mind is if you were given the chance to go back in time like who would you see who would you have a conversation with what would you do and the whole concept of the book is that there's this underground cafe where you don't really know what time it is while you're there. And there is one seat that you can sit in. And in that seat, you're able to travel back and forward. But most people go back in time because there's a couple rules to it that if you do read the book, you'll you would understand better. But you have to return back to the present before your cup of coffee gets cold. So it doesn't give you very much time to go back to the past. There are four different, like almost sub stories that all lean into one giant story. They're the same characters. It just it kind of focuses on different characters in each each of those four chapters and each chapter has a different dynamic so there are the lovers there's the husband and wife there's the sisters and right now i'm finishing the chapter of the mother and the child and i i can't tell you how much i've weeped i have weeped reading this book it is so beautiful uh just to give a little piece of wisdom from the book this won't ruin anything this is definitely not a spoiler because it's not even really part of the story it's just a little section of the story that doesn't have to necessarily do with the main characters but is so beautiful like the author does such a good job with intersplicing these little pieces of life wisdom but there are there are two people in the book that in the past not traveling to the past it's just giving you more context to the story they are grieving the loss of somebody and the one who is younger is really suffering and struggling with this loss and the one that is older or i guess maybe this again won't ruin anything it's their parent is acting really happy all of the time and smiling a lot since the loss and so the child asks the parent why are you so happy like i don't understand how you're not struggling and sad and the parent responds and says, I mean, I am sad. I, I'm definitely struggling. I don't want this person to be gone. They didn't choose to be gone. But could you imagine wherever they've gone to that they could see us? If that's the case, what do you think they would want to see? And it gives the child a moment of reflection. And then they, they go on to say, if, if our lost loved one could see us or if they are watching right now, I think it would make them happier to watch us be happy 
than it would to watch us struggle to move on with our lives and be sad all of the time. It would give their loss more meaning to see us be happy and live our lives and it gives them something to be happy about on the other side. And I thought that was so beautiful. I literally, I couldn't, it's like, oh my God, that is the most beautiful perspective I've ever heard on death or losing someone or grieving somebody before. So that's not even a main story. That was literally a tiny little section of one of the characters past that she was reflecting on. And I was just like taken away. So definitely a really, really cool book. And I loved it. I decided to read it because of the concept of time being a cool concept and a, uh, an appropriate concept or you know, topic going into a new year for January. So those are what I'm reading right now. Uh, the rest of these books don't necessarily have dates or months that I'm planning on reading them, but I have some interesting picks. So the next one that I want to talk about is called The Inner Work. This might be my February fiction. I feel like it just, again, this gives me winter. It could be also that I'm judging the book by its front cover. So the front cover looks very much like the color aura as I was talking about at the beginning of the episode where it is lots of navy and galaxies and stars floating away from somebody's brain. I'll just read you the back because I've never read this book. So I can't really tell you how good it is, but I can tell you what it's about. If you are a human and you want to be happy, this book is for you. The inner work will take you on the hero's journey through the uncharted depths of your subconscious mind to understand your shadows and unlock the greatness of your full potential. Through the uprooting of limiting beliefs and transcendence of themes of consciousness which, perpe which perpetuate suffering, true freedom, and lasting happiness will finally be revealed. By process of radical self-analysis and a practical three-step method, the inner work invites you to let go of your struggle with life. So yeah, this feels like it's it's going to be a perfect read for winter, you know, the depths of winter. Um, and I don't even remember how I stumbled upon this book, but I threw it into my reading list because I do feel like winter is an invitation to really work with the subconscious or the shadow. I've been doing a lot of meditations lately, and so I feel like this could pair really well with that. So likely going to be my next nonfiction. And I know I just told you that I didn't, you know, plan to read any of these books in certain months, but this one, I'm going to try really, really hard to see if the book club will pick it for March because I don't know why. Again, I'm judging. I am a judge a book by the cover type of gal. I will be honest with you. I just like at the beginning of this episode where my brain just works in certain ways. I get drawn to certain colors or certain symbologies. When I look at certain books, I get I'm immediately like that's a that's a March book. So this book is called The Year of Less and I think it would be great to even read now. However, I've got a lot on my TBR list. So The Year of Less is exactly what you think or it sounds like it might be about. It is about living with less. It is about simplifying your life. But the thing that I thought was so interesting about this book is I tend to not read reviews about books before I go into reading them because I like to go into things blind. Um, I tend to, once something has been told to me, it's hard for me to almost wash that from my brain. So I try to go into things without any other opinion so I can formulate my own first. And then I like to listen or read other people's opinions. So I don't usually read book reviews until I'm done reading a book. However, I did stumble across this book because it was a option for last year that didn't get picked. And one of the people that had read the book had told me that the great thing about this book is it's about living more simply and yes, living with less. It's it's a lot, it's a little bit of minimalism, but it's almost like please excuse me for using this term, but it's almost like millennial minimalism. It's a little bit of a tongue twister. Millennial minimalism because it's not a book where it's like Mary Kondo, make sure there's nothing on your counters, make sure there's nothing in your shower, that you have to constantly like take your products out to use them and that you barely own anything. You know, it's not that, it's more so simplifying your life to the point that it makes sense for you. At least that's what I've been told. So if you are somebody who loves to collect books, or you are somebody that loves coffee, it's not saying get rid of like all your coffee mugs or get rid of all the types of coffee you have and only have one type of coffee. Like it's not that kind of minimalism. It's more, I guess, maybe like anti-consumerism where it's like have your lifestyle the way you want it, but simplify your lifestyle to a place where you're not constantly consuming. You know, you can find a way to live the life you, you love and you love, 
my tongue can't today. Uh, you're able to live the life you love and enjoy the things you enjoy, but do them in such a simple way where you're not buying into consumerism, which hurts your wallet, and you're also not hurting the planet. So I, like I said, am really, really drawn to simplifying my life this year, decluttering my life this year, and only having things that really do, <laughs> comes back to Mary Kondo, spark joy, but really that fit in, with, like I have an intention for owning that thing. I hate that I hold on to so many things just in case, you know? So I'm excited to read this book and I'm, oh, if you do want to know a little bit about the back, I will read it. I know I've been talking a lot today, but it says in her late twenties, Kate Flanders found herself stuck in a consumerism cycle that grips so many of us earn more, buy more, want more, rinse, repeat. Even after she worked her way out of nearly $30,000 of consumer debt, her old habits took hold again. When she realized that nothing she was doing or buying was actually making her happy, it was only keeping her from meeting her goals, she set herself the challenge. She would not shop for an entire year. Girl. <laughs> Maybe 2025. I've already, I've, I've already shopped. The year of less documents Kate's life for 12 months, during which she bought only consumables like groceries, toiletries, and gas for her car. Along the way, she decluttered her apartment and got rid of 70% of her belongings, learned how to fix things rather than just throw them away. Such a goal of mine this year too. Uh, researched the zero waste movement and completed a television ban. Girl. <laughs> I am so inspired, but I, I, am, I am not on her level yet. I aspire to be. At every stage, she, the less she consumed, the more fulfilled she felt. Oh, that again, I, I feel lighter just reading that. I want to be her. I don't need to perfect being her. You know, it doesn't need to be perfect, but I'm inspired to read it and I can't wait. It's definitely in alignment with my goals for 2024. Um, I do have two parenting books here. You are welcome to skip over if you are not interested in parenting books at all, but I know some of you guys are. And so there are two that I've picked up one that I've only read the introduction to, so I'll start with that one, and it is for working parents. It is called Work, Parent, Thrive, 12 Science-Backed Strategies to Ditch Guilt, Manage Overwhelm, and Grow Connection When Everything Feels Like It's Too Much. I am actually just right this week and next week, my son is transitioning into daycare. It's the perfect daycare because he only goes four days a week and the hours aren't extremely long. So for me, it's a really good balance because it is I'm, I just can't. I'm finding it so hard to get anything done. I feel like I've really dropped the ball on my content and my creativity in the last few months because I've been trying to work from home with a toddler or a baby at home. And it just really, it's impossible. It's been really hard to do and it's really stressed me out. And it does, it, it has felt like too much. So I am trying to find the balance of guilt working, especially as a mom, I feel like there's a different type of pressure put on moms than there is on dads that if you work, like you're not doing your, your mom motherly duties, right. You know, however, I don't, I don't subscribe to that idea. Obviously in a perfect world, I would love to just mother and, you know, garden and you know, keep the home. I, I will not lie. I do love the romanticization of that idea, but that's not actually the reality of that. And I also love my job. I love creating. I love hosting this space. I love being here. I could never give that up, at least not for the foreseeable future. So I do want to find a better way to balance that. And I'm needing help. And I don't have a mom. <laughs> I mean, I have a mom, but I don't have a role model or anyone in that position that could help me guide me. So when I don't have those people in my life, I look for them in books and I found one. So this book, and I'm going to link all of these books down below, by the way, in case anybody is interested. Uh, and then I picked another mothering book up. This one I purchased because I was so drawn to the aspect of it. And I feel very called into this energy of my life this year. So it's called Mama Rising. This book is very, very different from what I just told you. What I just told you was very like psychological, scientific backed, you know, what is it? Strategies. This is all about leaning into your feminine empowerment as a mother. It says there's something you need to know. It's the secret of what we've been feeling since starting this motherhood journey. It's the missing link, the forgotten transition of womanhood. 
Understanding this ancient yet thoroughly modern insight into motherhood will change everything. It will explain that pull to be there for your child's every moment, yet also crave your independence, what we were just talking about. It will stop the guilt and the comparison and allow you to soften into the great gift of motherhood. It is called, and I might say this wrong, matricence. Matricence. Hmm. I've never heard that word before, so I need to look that up. But it says the radical identity shift a woman goes through when she becomes a mother. As someone who used to put herself last, doing everything she thought was right for her children and family while relentlessly pursuing her dream career, Amy understands firsthand the overwhelm and complex range of emotions that modern women and that modern mothers face. Having dedicated herself to more than a decade of asking what happens to a woman when she becomes a mother, Amy's background as a journalist set her on the path to uncover all she could about the last research on metrosense. Bringing together extensive research, interviews, insights from thousands of mamas, and Amy's own struggles with balancing motherhood and her dreams, Mama Rising will help you see matricence as your chance to redefine who you are and allow you to be the mama and the woman that you long to be. Now, if anybody is listening and you aren't currently a mother, if you've stuck around for these two books, but even if you are listening and you are a mother, something that I think is really unfortunate but true is that we have lost so much of our ancient wisdom when it comes to womanhood in general. I recently did a podcast episode that I've referenced before, but it was with a practicing witch uh, and in that discussion, we talked about the different roles of the maiden, the mother, and the crone, and how even that, it immediately clicked in my brain, but yet I have not been taught those things, you know? We don't talk about womanhood. We don't even talk about, a lot of women don't know, I didn't know for the longest time, how to sync to my cycle, how to sync to my hormones, how to sync to my body. We have lost so much of that ancient wisdom. And I think that a lot of it, at least for me, and again, too, this, I'm coming from somebody that, again, I'm not close with my mom. Uh, she wouldn't be a viable leader for me as I were to walk through the stages of womanhood and into motherhood. So I, maybe I felt more lost than some, uh, but I think it's very very unfortunate that we don't have that wisdom. We don't have those connections. We don't have that community, at least not as visible as it probably should be considering how many women, half the planet are women. And so, yeah, I've just been feeling really inspired to lean into that, to be in that, you know, to really lean into my womanhood, to really lean into motherhood and to really lean into those transitions and how it affects your identity. And let me, I want to change because she said that it like radically changes your identity. I still feel like the same person. It's just, it has enhanced. Let's come back to that word. It has enhanced my identity and transformed it in different ways. So I'm really inspired to read that book and oh gosh, see all of these books feel like books I want to read right away, but that could be a great book to possibly read in May, maybe over mother mother's day that, you know, so, oh gosh, guys, I've almost been talking for an hour. I, please let me know. God, no, don't do that. That's my insecurities coming through where I'm like, let me know if you're enjoying yourself. If you weren't, you probably wouldn't still be here. So the next book that I am itching to read, I don't know why, but this is probably going to be a summer book, is The China Study. I have been holding on to this book for so long and I'm finally going to read it this year. I have been so inspired by plant-based eating again. Like I went through a stalemate where I just kind of... I don't know if that was the right word, by the way, but I just kind of got really uninspired by plant-based foods for a while. And I think it was just because I was in such a high stress stage of life all last year. So I felt like I was really cutting corners and I felt like I was really, you know, I, I've always loved cooking and baking, but I, I just didn't, I feel like I didn't enjoy it as much last year. And I was eating a lot of more like convenient meals and I... I don't know what changed, but I am so inspired by it again. I'm so inspired by plant-based eating. I'm so inspired by all of it. I, I can't explain what, like where that's coming from or what changed overnight, but I've been eating and cooking such good nourishing bowls and stews and soups and foods and salads. And it has been so good. And I've just been like in that, you know, that has been a big, weird, reignited hobby and passion of mine has been cooking. And I wanted to read The China Study for a long time. It is a dedicated read. It's a pretty thick book. Um, 
but it's the revised and expanded edition, which is interesting to me that it's been revised and then expanded again. It's the most comprehensive study of nutrition ever conducted. And it goes into things like diet, weight loss, and long-term health. But the thing that I find most interesting about it is it really dives into the benefits of plant-based eating, at least from my understanding. I've never read it, but I actually have the cookbook, the China Study Cookbook as well and it is all plant-based food. So that's what I'm assuming this book really concludes. And I'm really, really excited to read it. I've been wanting to read this. This has been on my TBR for far too long. And so I'm finally pulling an old book off the TBR list and bumping it up priority. I only have three more books to tell you guys about, but these ones won't take me very long to go through. The first one is a gift that my sister got me for Christmas. She swears by this book. If anybody was a One Tree Hill fan, which I am currently re-watching as like a comfort re-watch, for January. Uh, it is written by Hilary Burton. So it is Gilmore or Gilmore. <laughs> it looks like it says Gilmore Girl. It's Grimoire Girl. Grimoire Girl. Creating an inheritance of magic and mischief. My sister, like she has radically enhanced herself since reading this book. She's gotten so into herbalism. She made me a fresh batch of like homemade tea with different herbs and she's been using like different herbs to make these morning smoothies and like heal her daughter when her daughter got a cold and I'm so inspired by it so she actually gifted both me and my friend Larissa this book for Christmas and it is on my list I want to read it so bad it's really all about learning about I, I, again it comes back back to how much we've lost in terms of not just like our ancient wisdom but even the ancestor our ancestors like she from what my sister has told me, Hillary Burton really struggled to understand her ancestors. She didn't really have much connections to them. So she lost the magic over the years. Like traditionally, you know, if you are in one of those families that are, are gifted enough to be in one of those families where there are recipes brought down and there are knowledge that is brought down to the newer generations. And that is such a gift. I don't have that either. So I'm really interested to read this book and learn what it's about and learn my own sense of magic. And then I have two more fictions, both really fun ones. I picked these up at the end of the year. I had a bunch of points to use up. And so I got these books for free and they're both super interesting. And I definitely want to read them again. The burnout, the coloring of the burnout, judging a book by its cover, hot pink and orange. This is like spring summer vibes for me. Uh, but it's all about a girl that is super burnt out. She just can't answer another email. She cannot do another thing in her day-to-day -day life. She just feels so uninspired. So she books a vacation and on that vacation, there is a guy there that is in a similar boat and is super uninspired and it's just like not having it, but it's super grumpy. And so it's basically about two burnt out adults learning how to refill their cups and that sounded just right. I, I was definitely feeling really burnt out when I bought this book, but I also just love a good cheesy rom-com type of style fiction. So that I'll probably be reading spring, summer. This one, I don't know when I'm going to read it. This seems like a winter fall book. So if I don't get it done, maybe this will be my next fiction actually, after I read when the coffee gets cold. This is called Curious Tides. It's by Pascal LaSalle. It is this just sounds like such a cool book. I'll just read you the blurb. This is the last book I have to tell you about. So I'm rounding out this conversation real soon here. Emery might be a student at the prestigious Aldrin College for lunar magics, but her magic abilities have always been mediocre at best until a treacherous night in the Dovermore Sea cave. <laughs> until a treacherous night in the Dovermere Sea cave kills a group of her classmates and leaves her as the only survivor. Now Emery is plagued by the strange impossible powers that no healer should possess. Powers that would ruin her life if the wrong person were to discover them. To gain control of these new abilities, Emery enlists the help of the school's most reclusive student, Baz, a boy already well-versed in the deadly nature of darker magic, whose sister also happened to be the, one of the drowned students and Emery's best friend. Determined to find the truth behind the drownings and the cult-like secret society that she's convinced her classmates were involved in, Emery is faced with even more questions when the supposedly drowned students start washing ashore, alive, only for each of them to immediately die a magical death. It sounds so dark and twisty, but I'm so about it. And, and yeah, I think this might actually end up being my next fiction. I was really hoping to read it in the fall time. It didn't go to plan, so I am probably going to bump this up on my fiction list if I can squeeze another fiction into January because that sounds so cool. 
So those are 10 books that I plan on reading in 2024. I do have a Goodreads. If anybody is curious, I do like to do book reviews. However, last year flew away from me. And so I still have to do all of my book reviews for 2023. And I will be posting my book reviews for 2024. Um, I'm not necessarily doing those in order. So yeah, it's just my name, Kayla Nicholson on Goodreads, if you do want to know how I end up liking these books. And those are 10 books I'll be reading, so I have 14 open slots as I go about the year, which is perfect, because I feel like I, I definitely want to read these books, but I'm also allowing the universe to bring me the right books at the right time for the right seasons and the right months. So. If you want to join the book club, be sure to head on over to Kaylin's Coffee Talk on YouTube. You can join. It's literally, I've set it at Canadian 99 cents a month. So it's literally a dollar a month. It's like less than a coffee to join in every Sunday and read books together and join the Discord. There's also, you can join in for bonus content if you like to journal, if you like having access to these coffee talks early and ad free. That gives you that too for a, a, a membership that is a one tier higher. Uh, and if you like vlogs, head on over to my vlog channel, which is again, just my name. And you can find weekly vlogs of the day-to-days of my life. Thank you for hanging out this long. This was a longer chat. I would love to hear some feedback. Do you like chats like this that have multiple topics in one that we talk about multiple things? Or do you like things to have a little bit more of a subject line, more of a thesis, if you will? And without further ado, I am cheersing you the rest of my lukewarm tea. And I will chat with you guys all next week. Bye, everyone. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 